Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yearell, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And thanks so much for joining me today. I'm going to do a little news with Nancy. We haven't done this in a while. There's so much going on in the world. I thought it would be a good idea if I brought you some news and then kind of gave you my intuitive take on some of these things. If I pick something up, I'll let you know. Okay. All right. So we have a lot to get into today. So again, thanks for joining me. And the first thing I want to bring up is uh, the East Palestine train derailment in Ohio. You know, I was born and raised in Ohio. And I just want to say that these are, you know, hardworking middle-class Americans. And I just feel from this whole situation that they probably thought if anything really catastrophic happened in their little town of Palestine, Ohio, that maybe the government would do something or would be concerned. But it looks like that's not the case. You know, Biden hasn't been down there, but yet he's been to re Ukraine. And that really makes me angry because these people need help right now. And it wasn't until I think Fox News really, and it was social media too, that really pushed this story to the forefront because the main news, as you want to say, outlets did not pick this up. Now, here's what I I'm going to just kind of give you a little synopsis here. It says shipments of toxic waste from the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment have resumed after a brief pause, environmental officials said. So a total of 38 cars derailed uh, on February 3rd. The incident included 11 uh, hazardous materials, solid and liquid waste from the site are now being shipped to specialized facilities. Okay. So over the weekend, officials said that the air quality in the town is normal. So that's nice despite ongoing fears. And so the EPA regional administrator, Deborah Shore said that stopping the shipments would allow officials to ensure that all waste is disposed of in a safe and lawful manner. manner. Well, yeah, they should definitely do that. And all this is great news for the people of Palestine. Now, you know, Pete Buttigieg um, finally went down there. He is the um, transportation secretary and he went to meet with some investigators finally mr calmer a kentucky republican also accused the department of transportation of a lack of leadership i agree with that because this guy didn't go down there either until people started to really shame him and then he went down there so it's just been awful um this says i've spoken with every single major figure in both pennsylvania and ohio mr biden said last week and the idea that we're not engaged is simply not there well he's not there so let's just say that Trump goes down there, but Biden doesn't even go down there to see what's going on. So let me see what I pick up from this. Well, it's blatant that they don't care. And the American people are seeing that if something happens in their town, they're not going to be helped. So this is really more, and this is what I pick up intuitively, that people are realizing that we're in trouble here. 
Because when Biden will go over to Ukraine, but he won't go to Ohio in our own country when there's a something like this, an accident, the American people, yeah, they're like, well, what happens if what what everybody's thinking, what if that happens to my town? They won't help me. And this is why I'm just going to throw this out there. I really feel it's important that communities starting start to get together, that everybody start watching out for each other. Because we're going to have to, because that's really what it's come to. All right. So the next thing I pulled up was Portland family terrorized by squatters. I thought this was crazy. So here we go. They almost set fire to the house. I saw this and I wanted to, if you haven't heard about this, I wanted to bring it to your attention. An Oregon family armed with fire extinguish, extinguishers had to repeatedly save their home from fires after homeless squatters set a next door house ablaze twice in one day. So what you've got is you've got a family living in one house and then next door, there's nobody in it. So you've got squatters and they don't have any heat. So they're starting to fire to keep warm. And here we go. Says Jacob Adams said he jumped into action as flames from both infernos threatened to leap over to their Portland property in the latest in a string of terrifying experiences since squatters took over the neighboring structure five years earlier. There are fires that have been happening off and on, major ones. This recent one actually came and set our property afire, Adams told Fox 12. So within 12 hours of that fire, another fire popped up. My wife was screaming and propane tanks were igniting off the fire. Surveillance footage of the alarming incident shows Adams using fire extinguishers to fend off the inferno from jumping over the fence between the two properties as his wife Beth cries in the background. Portland's been dealing with a long-lasting homeless problem. There are over 6,600 homeless people in Portland across more than 700 encampments. And this is really the problem here. It's the homeless problem. And I've seen this and I've talked about this on the show before. You know, there are so many homeless people. It's absolutely disgusting that we are not we are sending billions of dollars to another country to fight a war and we have homeless people in our country okay let's just take a moment and realize this and this could happen to anybody you know things happen not everybody's crazy not everybody's a drug addict things happen in life it's inflation is high it's expensive to live. It was a lot just to move for me by myself from one place to another. God, you know, took care of me. But some of these people, you know, they don't, they're not in touch with God. They don't know. They don't have family. It's possible that you're left and you don't, you know, people die. Things happen. You know, it's just, we have to start being compassionate. Sorry, I'm really preaching today on the homeless thing, but you know, as soon as I get High Road to Humanity really up and running, I know this sounds probably a little nuts to you guys, but, you know, I would really like to build some houses for the homeless. I would really like to get into the communities and do something, put together a program or something, because this is really, um, and it's everywhere. It's just not one place. This is everywhere. And it's the saddest thing I've ever seen is to have somebody sleep outside in the wintertime. So. Having said that, the next thing I pull up is South China. This, oh, I pulled this up from the South China Morning Post. 
because I wanted to hear what they said about COVID. <laughs> now, it's obviously come out that COVID was in a, was a, leaked from a um, China lab. That's how COVID-19, and that's what everybody said in the beginning, and everybody was poo-pooed, and they wanted Trump to look crazy, and, you know, and that's exactly what the deal is. But I wanted to see what the take was from the China, South China Morning Post. Here's what they say. The headline reads, U.S. agency says COVID-19 likely emerged from China lab leak reports. So, the coronavirus pandemic likely arose from a Chinese laboratory leak, the U.S. Department of Energy now says, according to media, although the White House maintains Sunday that American intelligence remains divided on the issue. I mean, really. The determination noted in a classified report by Director of National Intelligence of Real Haines Office, the Wall Street Journal reported marks a shift by the Energy Department, which has previously said it was undecided on how the virus emerged. People who read the classified report were quoted in the journal and the New York Times as saying the department made its judgment with low confidence, highlighting how different agencies remain divided over the origins of COVID-19 and the pandemic that swept the globe in early 2020. The conclusion, reportedly the result of new intelligence, is nevertheless significant because the department oversees a network of national laboratories, including some that do advance biological research. So China has long hit back at any suggestion that the COVID-19 virus originated in one of their labs. Well, it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. It's a duck. <laughs> That's all I can say. So, and why aren't we holding them accountable? I mean, this is just, you know, are they just going to keep doing this? Is this going to happen again? What can we do to prevent this from happening again? So let me see my intuitive take on this whole deal. Well, again, it's another, wow. Again, it's showing the American people that this is the truth and they have, they've been lied to. That's what this is. This is blatant. Open your eyes. I'm asking my angel. And she says, open your eyes. Look at the truth. Look at what's happening. How can you not realize that all these things that have happened have been lies? You know, and don't even get me started on Fauci. I think I've got something in here about him. And I want to bring him up. Did I something on Fauci? I don't know. I guess I didn't. But here's the deal, you know, Fauci was all intertwined in this um, experiments going on in these labs and he had financial, you know, holdings. And so all this stuff is intertwined. But to think that they would push the labs or even that this would happen, whether it was an accident, a lot of people say it was intentional just to do it while Trump was in office. Who knows? We don't know. That's the whole thing. And you know what? Let me just say, you know, you guys watch all these shows that are conspiracy theories and stuff. I'm giving you my intuitive take. All right. But nobody really knows. I probably know more than most people because I'm telling you what I get from God, what I get from the angels, you know, but just be careful. I mean, there's a lot of conspiracy out there. Yes, there's a ton going on behind the scenes. No, they're not being honest with us. No, we're not being told the truth. But right now we are. And so pay attention. Because what I'm seeing as, as I read these articles is that, you know, and just like we were talking about the COVID. Yeah, I mean, it's blatant. Come on. You can see it. Now it's coming out. Oh, Yes, it was exactly what everybody thought it was. 
but you know, there's so much hidden. And so I see personally, as you see, as I'm speaking today, that a lot of these things are being revealed, that the truth is coming to the forefront. So that's a major thing to have them finally come out and say, yes, it wasn't from some kind of bat or in the, you know, it was from a leak and they were experimenting and did it get, now the question is, did it get out by accident or was this leaked on purpose? Let's see. It was no accident is what I pick up that this was intentional. So that's my take. Unfortunately. Next headline, New York Times. I pulled this from the New York Times. This is going on right now, too. Murdoch acknowledges Fox News host endorsed election fraud falsehoods. Man, they are going after Rupert Murdoch. He's a conservative media mogul. He spoke under oath last month in a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox by the Dominion Voting Systems. Well, this is another thing. Oh, so they're going to sue Robert Murdoch because people came out and said Maria Bartiromo, Lou Dobbs, Sean Hannity, Janine Pirro came out and said, you know, there was voter fraud. There was voter fraud. Even in Michigan, they proved there was voter fraud. Different places, they proved there was voter fraud. But, you know, the problem is all these people who are in control right now are not going to let all this come out. So instead, we're going to sue this guy who's trying to get the truth out. And they're not always perfect and they're not always right. But let's see what it says. Robert Murdoch. Rupert, I'm sorry, Murdoch, a chairman of the conservative media empire that owns Fox News, acknowledged in a deposition that several hosts for his networks promoted the false narrative that the 2020 election was stolen from former President Donald J. Trump and that he could have stopped them but didn't. Court documents released on Monday showed. They endorsed Mr. Murdoch, said under oath in response to direct questions about the Fox host Sean Hannity, Janine Pirro, Lou Dobbs, and Maria Bartiromo, according to a legal filing by Dominion Voting Systems. I would have liked us to be stronger in denouncing it in hindsight, he added, while also disclosing that he was always dubious of Mr. Trump's claims of widespread voter fraud. Asked whether he doubted Mr. Trump, Mr. Murdoch responded, yes. I mean, we thought everything was on the up and up. At the same time, he rejected the accusation that Fox News as a whole had endorsed the stolen election narrative. Not Fox, he said. No, not Fox. And I agree with that. You know, people were just saying what they thought and what they felt intuitively. Um, let me tell you what I think. Well, they're just trying to knock Fox off the air is all they're trying to do. They just want to get rid of them. Because they're they're the only news channel or station, other than people like me, who say the truth. And then you don't even know for sure. You know, they could be just getting bits and pieces. There's so much. And if they do speak the truth, look what happens. You've got this, oh my gosh, 1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox from, seriously. It's a ruse. Let's see what my angels say about that. Well, the voting thing was um, there were a lot of states that it wasn't done properly and they did hide a lot of things. And of course, they're not going to bring out the truth. So and what about Murdoch? 
he's saddened by the way our country has become, which I think a lot of you have too. So let's sort of pick up from that. This comes from the Washington Post. Okay. Uh, this is on student loan forgiveness. Conservative, conservatives doubt Biden's power. <laughs> it's all about power, right? You know, I'm just going to tell you how I feel about this. And y'all may not agree with me, but I'll just give you my opinion. Then I'll read the news and then I'll give you my intuitive take. A lot of kids like me, my dad made too much money. He was an engineer for me to get any kind of financial aid. They didn't have like, you know, stuff like that when I was going to school. So I couldn't get a student loan, but my dad, you know, there were four of us girls. He didn't make enough to really, you know, pay for me to go away to college. So I did community college and that's what you do. I mean, if you don't have the money, that's what you do when you grow up in a middle-class family. And, you know, if you're not of an ethnicity that, you know, gives you a scholarship, you're kind of like on your own. And I was on my own. I'm just talking from personal experience here. Now, now they give kids and like when my kids went to school, they gave them, you know, they have all these different scholarships in New Mexico with my kids when my oldest daughter went to college, they had the lottery scholarship, which is so cool because you, at least when you're buying a lottery ticket, you know that some of the money's going to help a kid go to school and it works. And as long as you get an A, you maintain that. Um, I think it's, I don't know what the grade point average is, then your school is paid for. So things have come. There are other alternatives now from what I grew up, you know, so it's kind of cool that they have this, but if you're going to take out a loan, and be an adult, which you are at 18 years old, you're an adult, and you're going to take out a loan to pay for your school, then you're going to have to pay it back. That's how the world works. You can't go and get a car and then think that your loan's going to be forgiven. You can't go buy a house and think your loan's going to be forgiven because it's not. You have to pay it or they come get the house. If you don't make your car payment, they come get your car. So why do these people think that they can go to school, take out the loan and think they don't have to pay it back? To me, it's improper. To me, it's teaching our youth improperly that you really don't have to pay for what, you really don't have to put any effort into it. You know what I mean? Yes, the schools are charging too much money. That's what we need to look at. We need to look at these universities who has just like skyrocketed their prices and made it to this point where the kids are like, what can we do? You know, it's put the kids in a bad position, but the colleges are sitting pretty. I want to say that. This is a Supreme Court. Now, it's made it all the way to the Supreme Court because Biden says, oh, I'll forgive you this. But a lot of people says he doesn't have the power to do that. So here we are at the Supreme Court. And it says that they've wrapped up more than three hours of debate. This is today. I'm reading this to you. Um, over his administrative power to wipe out nearly, it's a half a trillion in student loan debt without direct authorization from the Congress. I love how people, today's Tuesday, February 28th. I want to say that. <laughs> She's like, what is today? Uh, the court's con conservative justices who hold a three or six to three majority on the court expressed skepticism about Biden's authority with several question, 
strengthening the fairness of a program that helps some borrowers, but not others. And that's, yeah, exactly. So liberal justices, meanwhile, defend the education department right to forgive loan debt as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. That's a different story, two different things. You see, from what I understand, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, Trump was forgiving it just because of the coronavirus pandemic, because people couldn't work. And Biden has just taken it further. So they voiced doubts about whether the six Republican-led states and two individuals who brought the legal challenges are specifically harmed by the debt relief program, which they must be in order to have legal grounds to stop it. So here's what we know. More than 40 million Americans could be affected by Biden's initiative, which eliminates up to 10,000 of of student debt for borrowers earning up to 125,000 annually or up to 250,000 for married couples, okay? Student debt is mostly prevalent among Americans aged 25 to 34, and um, 67% of student loan borrowers are under 40, according to the New York Federal Reserve, all right? So that's what's going on. They're working on it. The court will hand down a ruling before finishing its current term. So we'll have something which usually concludes by the end of June. So we should know by the end of June. So people are gonna have to keep paying their payments until the end of June. All right, let me see what I get on this. Let me see. Um, Are they gonna relieve the debt? No, I gotta know. I gotta know. All right, I got some good news. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but I saw it. I thought this is so cool. Jesus is coming back. There's a new movie. It's called Jesus Revolution Movie. And it says in the 1970s, Greg Laurie and a sea of young people descend on a sunny Southern California to redefine truth through all means of liberation. Inadvertently, Laurie meets uh, a charismatic street pe- <laughs> easy for me to say preacher and a pastor who opens the doors to a church to a stream of wandering youth. What unfolds is a counterculture movement that becomes the greatest spiritual awakening in American history. This is so awesome. So the release date on this was February 24th. It just came out. Um, The producers are John Irwin, John Walsh, Kevin Downs, Andrew Irwin, Daryl C. uh, Leffer, and uh, Daryl Escobar. Um, Lionsgate put it out. They had a $15 million budget. It's based on, you know, the Jesus revolution that Jesus is coming back. I love this. This is so cool. So we got to get out and see it. It's called Jesus Revolution Movie. Fantastic. All right. (laughs) You guys are going to, maybe I should do this one so I can end on a fun note. All right. Let's talk about the war in Ukraine. I pulled up Tucker Carlson because, um, now, this is something interesting I just want to bring up. So as I'm looking up, because I, I kind of get tidbits of what I want to talk about, what I think is really important that I think people should know or hear if they don't watch the news very often. And um, I got online to pull up some stories today. And anything from CBS, NBC, CNN, that's all at the top. You can't find anything from Fox News. I mean, you have to literally type it in. And I'm just going to say this, you know, I may get in trouble, but Google is like, it's all good. It's all censored completely. I mean, when you try to Google, like if I Google 
Russia's uh, invasion in Ukraine. Like I said, I get CNN, I get the BBC, I get the New York Times, I get NBC, CBS, but you don't get Fox. Isn't that interesting? Okay, throw that out there. So intentionally, I pulled up Tucker Carlson's Russian invasion of Ukraine was the end point of a much longer story, he says. So the war on Ukraine began a year ago today on February 24, 2022. So it's been a year when the Russian military rolled across the eastern border of their country. But in many ways, the Russian invasion of Ukraine was the endpoint of a much longer story. The propaganda campaign designed to convince America's, Americans to take sides in this conflict, a conflict that has nothing strictly speaking to do with them or with America. That effort began many years earlier. It's interesting, isn't it? So we'd peg it to July 22, 2016. That's the day that WikiLeaks published thousands of emails from servers of the Democratic National Committee in Washington. Those emails prove that party officials had rigged the Democratic process, the primary process, in favor of Hillary Clinton and against the insurgent populist candidate that year, Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Within days, the chair of the NBC, or the, I'm sorry, the DNC, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, resigned in disgrace. The WikiLeaks scandal broke on the same day that Hillary Clinton chose her running mate, Senator Tim Kaine, and it overshadowed the nominating convention that followed. But more significantly, the WikiLeaks scandal threatened to split the Democratic Party into pieces. More than 13 million Bernie Sanders voters, many of them young people, learned that the process that had always believed in was in fact a sham. They had been cheated. Democratic leaders had to act quickly in the face of this to defect blame from themselves onto somebody else. So the DNC severed the claim that had been hacked by the Russian military. The goal was to hurt Hillary Clinton, whom the Russians feared for her strength and wisdom had, and to help Donald Trump who they controlled. Russia, Russia hackers, the servers, in order to hack the election, that was their true, that was their story. So the Washington Post ran with it in the first day as if it were true. And Susan trials proves Hillary Clinton perpetuated massive fraud and should be banned from Twitter. But there was never any evidence that it was true. Almost seven years later, there's still no evidence. And the DNC story about its severs, it's a lie is a lie, but as a political strategy that lie work worked flawlessly and Russian made the perfect villain. It was a white Christian country with a traditional social structure. It was everything that the Democratic Party already opposed. The foreign policy apparatus in Washington was happy to hate Russia again. So what they're saying is, you know, Russia, of course, was made the scapegoat on the situation. Let me see. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think about this. Let's, I'm going to ask in a minute, but my, I've been feeling this for a while. You know, this whole deal with China coming in to help Russia is a huge red flag. Huge, huge, huge. When I and why are we there? Why are we sending all this money? Billions here. We have homeless people, but we're sending billions. It's a nightmare. We have to do something to stop this. This is really, truly a nightmare. I want to give the money to the people who are homeless. I want to give the money to the people who don't have any food. 
I'm going to give the money to help our people of the United States. Why are we doing this? Why are we playing this game? Well, we know that there is chemicals underneath the ground over there in Ukraine. I know that for sure. I've been told that for a couple of years, what, a year now. I've known that. You guys have known that. So there's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes. It's not what it appears to be. So it's just a nightmare, just like he's talking about, just like Tucker Carlson, you know, is talking about. There's all different angles why this was done. Why does Biden keep going over there? What does his son have to do with it? He was all involved in it. It's all about money. It's all about weapons of, I believe, chemical warfare is what I believe that's going on over there, which is a threat to everybody. So they got to end this whole situation. But I'm going to tell you what I get intuitively. I'm worried about China because China is helping Russia. And this is a huge problem. But let me see what I get intuitively on the war in Ukraine. This is going to go on. This thing is just going to go on. I get for like three, I don't know if it's three years, but I get this is going to continue. Yeah, because there's way more going on. And then other countries are going to get drugged into it. It's just going to be, it's going to be everything that we don't want to happen. It could be really catastrophic. We need to get out of it, but I don't see that happening. Okay. I just don't see that happening. I see it dragging out. Mm -mm. And it could escalate. And I just, I don't know. Anyway, that's what I feel on that. This is my last one for today. So I went to the store and I usually buy 18 dozen eggs or not 18 dozen, 18 eggs instead of a dozen because they last longer. I get the cage free. I hate going to the store. So that's probably why I do it. So I go to the store and I buy my eggs and Granted, I'm in a rural area, so I can't go to like Sam's Club or Costco or something like that. And I didn't go to Walmart. I was at the local grocery store. And so 18 eggs that were cage-free or whatever were $10, over $10. I think it was $10.50. I couldn't believe it. So I put something on Facebook about it. But I just wanted to know what was going on. Well, here's what I pulled up today. Wholesale egg prices have collapsed and why consumers may soon see relief. Because I don't know about you guys, but eggs are really expensive. Now, before I even get into this, there's a reason I want to talk about this today, because I had a guy on my show and he was really smart. And he said, you know, I've gotten to know the egg people, the people in my neighborhood who raise chickens and I buy my eggs fresh. He said, I've gotten to know all the gardeners and who who raises what and I buy from, you know, each person or the farmer's market or whatever. And I want to bring this up and tell you guys, this, this is something you should do. You should start buying local, buy your local eggs. I know there's somebody in your neighborhood. I just got out of that little app. It's like that neighborhood app on your phone. What's it called? It's uh, next door. It's called next door. Get on that. Because I just said, hey, I'm in this area and I want to know if somebody has fresh eggs. And someone's like, yeah. And they're like six bucks a dozen and they're fresh. I'm like, what? 
So the guy was totally right. And you never know what's going to happen in our crazy world. So I'm just throwing this out there. I suggest everybody kind of find out where can you go buy fresh produce? Who's growing it? Who's selling it? It helps them. It helps you. And in a pinch, it would be really nice to know where you could get food if you needed to. And I'm going to suggest one more thing is that you guys garden this year and can some stuff. Canning is not hard to do. Freezing is easy to do, you know, but canning is like really great because it lasts for a long time. And I'm just going to suggest that people start paying attention and start being more independent. Um, you know, have the ladies in the community get together and do some canning. That's what they used to do back in the day, right? That's what we need to do together. We need to come together as communities and we're going to have to because the government's not going to save us, <laughs> as you can see. So let's talk about eggs. Egg prices rose to record highs in December. See, I wasn't so crazy. A dozen large grade A, grade A, easy for me to say, grade A eggs had more than double in price during 2022 on average. A historic outbreak of bird flu in the US disrupted egg production and supply, economists say. I don't believe that. Wholesale egg prices have fallen more than 50% since December, according to Erner Berry data. Wholesale egg prices have created in recent weeks, have cratered in recent weeks from record highs, meaning consumers may soon see relief at the grocery store. But the dynamics of egg pricing from the wholesale to retail market, in addition to the factors, means that not a sure thing in the short term. Prices fell to 261 per dozen eggs on Monday, a 52% decrease from the peak of around $5.43 on December 19th, and a 47 decrease from the beginning of 2023. I don't know. Prices have a collapse, said Angelo Rubio, senior analyst at Erner Berry. That's a big, big adjustment downward. Retail egg prices may soon follow, but it's not a sure thing. I don't know. Somebody's controlling this because I had a guy, I saw a guy on TV and he said, we haven't raised our prices. So why are they raising them in the store? So let me see what they said. Let me tap in here. Why are egg prices so high? Because it's something everybody uses. It's a control thing. It's controlling the market. Somebody's controlling the market. It's almost like a personal thing. It's weird. It will be relief, you know, because Easter's coming up. It'll be relief like right before Easter. <laughs> on the egg situation. FYI on that one. All right. Well, I've given you guys a lot to think about today, huh? Giving you my intuitive take on what's happening in the world. Just stay strong, stay, you know, connected to your prayers, talk to God, divine, whatever you want to call it, source. I don't care. Tap in, connect. It's the biggest thing you can do is connect, connect to mother earth, get out there, spend some time outside if it's not too cold. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys for watching. Hopefully I enlightened your day on what's happening in the world and giving you my little intuitive take. I hope you will watch my show. It's 
got some really good guests coming up. I've got some really awesome people coming. I, I need to promote this stuff more. I have a lady coming tomorrow um, from Ireland and she's into angels. I actually have Lorna um, Byrne coming up and she's written so many different books on angels. So I've got a lot of really interesting guests coming on board and you guys are going to have to check out the show. But for today, this is Nancy Yearout. This is Hierarchy Humanity. Thanks for joining me. Everybody have a great day and God bless.